Hello and welcome to the Peru Travel Podcast. I'm your host, David Kozlowski. Alongside of me is Kevin Grow, And today we've got a really cool episode because we're actually interviewing Jen Ruiz. And she's going to be telling us about Hawaii Pichu and her experience. And then talk a little bit about what she's got going on outside of the Peru travel space, if you will. So, Kevin, you feeling good, buddy? Feeling pretty good. Ready to go. Your beard is still looking delicious. Man, <laughs> it is long. You put flowers in there. I'm telling you, you got to come on the show one time with like daisies in it. <laughs> So uh, now that we're, we're going to be talking about Hawaiian Pichu again today, and uh, we've got Jen Ruiz on the phone. Jen, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing good. In case you guys don't know, listening in, Jen has a killer Instagram page. Uh, it's Jen on a jet plane, and her story is phenomenal. Like you, you can't. It's hard to believe when you hear about travel bloggers. Like they, they basically quit their job, they pack up their life, and they just hit the ground running and they travel. And it's always like this crazy, how do they do it? Experience. And the good thing is that Jen actually wrote a book to explain this. Is am I, am I saying this correctly? Yes. Yeah. And she has done, she was a lawyer who quit being a lawyer and studying law. And she has done a TED talk. She's been featured on Business Insider and Huffington Post, published the book, uh, The Affordable Flight Guide, and it was a bestseller on Amazon, which is like, those are some amazing accolades. Thank you. Yeah. I've been working hard. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like doing a TED talk? Just curious. Uh, really nerve wracking. Um, I had gotten accepted about two and a half, three months before I had to give the speech. So pretty much my whole life stalled while I worked on that nonstop um, just because it was just something that I knew I had to do well. And I had a really good opportunity to deliver a message in, in a strong way to a lot of people. Um, so I had to really take it seriously. And so my whole life was put on hold. I would end up dreaming about the talk and forgetting my words on stage and all kinds <laughs> of crazy things. Um, but I'm happy to report that it went off without a hitch. It was really a wonderful event. It was at um, TEDx Penn State University Berks campus. Um, so they were students that were really knowledgeable as to what they were doing. They had really wonderful set and then you know everything prepared to you know get you on video from four different camera angles and things like that mm -hmm. so they were just really really sweet and well put together and, and it was a very non-intimidating space so I'm, I'm glad i had that experience yeah that's great and what and when you did that was uh what was your message just curious my talk was on the power of flying solo and why people should be able to travel as a kind of cure for what ails them man that's some deep stuff <laughs> that's great <laughs> we when you say that too like the travel solo part is this is a confession that's a fear of mine like i'm scared to travel alone is that what is it kind of about so yes, and actually men are less likely to travel alone than women for some reason. Um, it's just they'll wait for whatever, a friend to go with them, family members, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think women have just a kind of, it's it's fearful for everybody, but I think you have to kind of like, I have to show people that I can do it, you know, kind of like a, I want to show everybody and prove everybody wrong and prove that I'm capable of this. Um, whereas I think people just, you know, generally think men can really do whatever they'd like to do. Um, hmm. You guys have it good. Um, we can have a good women, a good surface uh, a facade, if you will. We're like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. Not really. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now that I mean, I, now actually that you say that, um, I went to Vietnam a couple of years ago, and and most of the people that I met that were traveling solo were female. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. So, and 
it's really caught on and and it's a good way i think for people to discover new places you know get out of their own bubble see some get some perspective on their own problems um and just give you a whole new view on life so i think travel really can be transformative and i'm glad that so many women are venturing out to do it by themselves now yeah no that's great that's super cool impressed that's very awesome. very impressed um and then your book the affordable uh flight guy what's that about so I, when I was doing my I, my challenge, I had a 12 trips in 12 months challenge before my 30th birthday while I was practicing law full time for legal aid uh, in Florida. And I was working at a nonprofit, so I was not making you know enough to fund 12 extravagant trips around the world. And I realized that a lot of the expenses for travel were associated with just the flight to get there, especially at some of these more far away places. So hmm. I started just learning everything I could about budget travel, finding cheap flights, travel hacking, flight alerts, mistake fares, like you name it. I was doing my research nonstop and I managed to find some really good flight deals, like a $16 flight to Ecuador, a $30 flight to New Zealand. What? Um, (laughs) Please elaborate how someone finds that. (laughs) So there's three main ways that I think people should start going about saving money. The first is by signing up for flight alerts. Um, So flight alerts are like a whole new business model that have really emerged and taken off in the last couple of years where the whole point of these flight alert programs is that they try to get, you know, somebody that's constantly searching the internet for different either sales, price drops, you know, mistake fares, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But yeah. if there's something that drops, they want to be the first people to let you know. Um, and there's so many flight alert programs right now that are competing with each other. But I'm personally a fan of Scott's cheap flights. Yeah, um, I use them. He's been yeah, he's been out for a while and he just he's pretty thorough and I'm on his premium list. So I get a lot of deals that way. Um, so that's the first step for people that are just starting out. So you can see what kind of deals are available, how frequently they come up and just get them kind of delivered to you versus you having to search for them. Um, the second strategy that I would use is I would fly with budget airlines. So I found a ticket to the $99 flights to Iceland on Wow Air. You know, I landed one of those and that was my first time in Iceland. Um, and so there's always different different catches associated with budget airlines. But for the most part, if you travel light, you can really save money going that route. Uh, And then the last route is by getting credit cards and miles and points and learning how to use them to redeem free award travel. Yeah, definitely. So the points guy type of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm hearing that uh, $99 Iceland trip and yeah, I wish uh, we had that one. (laughs) We, uh, we had a flight booked to Iceland. We're going in March actually. And uh, we've got 14 guys going. It's going to be insane. Wow. It was it was supposed to be a bachelor party. However, the guy getting married, unfortunately, is no longer getting married. So we're all going in as a group uh, for just friends. But the it's nuts because we had a wild flight, but they actually ended up booking or excuse me, canceling the flight. So we had to like book a different airline uh, last second. So it's kind of frustrating. But oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that. It happens. It's OK. You roll with the punches. Um, and the good news is that having 14 guys, Iceland is so expensive. But with having 14 guys, you should be able to find some really good accommodations because you're splitting it 14 ways. Right, right. Yeah, no, it should be a fun time. We're all really excited. So you let's talk about life outside of outside of the book right now. And then we're going to jump into Hawaii Peach. I promise we're going to get to the, the, the Peru stuff. Um, <laughs> you just went to Bali. Is that correct? I did. Man, what's yeah. that like? It's very hot. It's very hot. <laughs> <laughs> it is warm. I mean, you step outside and you're sweating within a couple seconds. Oh, um, man. But no. Like high humidity uh, or? 
Yeah, high humidity, just heavy sunlight. It's it's an island of, you know, a lot of volcanic action. So it just kind of has a heavier feel to it when you're on it. I can't explain it. Um, but it's definitely, it's a lot. And I think people, it takes a little bit to get acclimated to it. So I was glad to see when I went, you know, and I met some other people that were visiting that they kind of had similar symptoms. Like, wow, like I'm outside for like, you know, an hour and I feel beat kind of thing. Um, so, but it was, no, it was really wonderful. It was, it's a very safe place. So for people who are traveling solo, it's a great place to go. Um, you know, the crime rate there, I, I did a you know, question to Alexa before I left, just comparing the crime rate of Baltimore, where I went to law school and uh, Indonesia. And it was like point, like a half a person gets murdered in Indonesia, like oh, versus wow. like the... <laughs> Versus like the hundreds of Baltimore, you know. Um, so it was clearly an upgrade safety wise. It's very affordable. Um, I was in a homestay that had Wi-Fi, you know, that I could work remotely because I also teach English online. I could do that um, through the Wi-Fi there in the room. I had my own ensuite bathroom and that was all for $14 a night. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, yeah. So, I mean, three weeks there and I spent maybe like $300 on my accommodations approximately. Um, it was great. And they had so many like wonderful handcrafted items. I got this beautiful pair of silver earrings there that were handcrafted silver and Bali's known for its silver. Um, and I like splurged on that and I paid like $35 for that pair of earrings. That wow. Gorgeous, you know? <laughs> Holy smokes. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful place, and I recommend it for people who want to have an affordable getaway, want to be somewhere with tropical weather, and want it to be kind of easy because the people in Bali are very kind and they're very open to tourism, and they're you know they go out of their way to help you. I mean, you have to haggle. That's kind of the way it is anywhere in Asia, and I hate that because I'm the worst at haggling for mm, prices. Yeah, like the worst. Um, but other than that, it's a really it's it's very welcoming place. They speak English pretty broadly there, and you can get around easily. And there's a lot of other tourists. Um, so I mean, it, it's actually kind of getting so heavily saturated now after Eat Pray Love. Was places that she went to on her year-long mission in Eat, Pray, Love. Um, so it's filled with people trying to recreate that experience for themselves. But there's still a lot of genuine experiences to be had on the island, and I definitely for the travelers. That's awesome. Uh, what is the just before we get into this? What is the name of the buildings in Bali that just like are stacked? Like I'm looking at some photos here, and there's a there's like almost like they look like temples almost of some sort. Mm-hmm. They would be temples, and the pagodas are the temples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks sweet, yeah. beautiful. There's like one in the middle of like the water. It looks like. Yeah, that's the that's commonly referred to as the floating temple. But actually, I went there with a photo tour of north northern Bali. So it was up in the northern area of Bali, mm-hmm. um, in the mountains, and it it is it's beautiful. I think it's on the second largest lake on the island, so people can actually go and canoe or row there around the lake. And it's a very serene place. I know which one you're talking about. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name because I'll butcher <laughs> it, but uh, we'll just suffice it to say the floating temple. But yes, it's a very scenic place. Yeah. And the water looks amazing. Like there's like some bungalow photos, man. looks looks like an incredible place. Definitely on the list. Absolutely. So sweet. Now you have, you have faced the endeavor of climbing Hawani Pichu and I've never done that. Kevin's never done it. And I think the question that we're always wondering is like, how hard is it? How difficult is this hike? I'm so glad that I didn't 
you know, properly research this before going on my <laughs> oh <laughs> man on my, on my trip because I might have chickened out. I've seen so many videos now with like the stairs of death and yeah. all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I just kind of ignorantly, blissfully just walked on in, just thinking like, oh, like it's really weird that they asked me to sign a guest book, and they're like, no, you have to sign it like yeah. on your way in and on your way out. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, so if you don't come out, we know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like I didn't realize that was a possibility, but <laughs> Man. I thought I was going to come out from this hike. I'm reconsidering, but not at this point. Like there's a line of people behind me. Um, <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of like at the main check-in point when you're already inside the ruins, inside the uh, Machu Picchu site um, and you're about to start the trek. So that's where you sign the book and you get ready to go. Um, and I had gone up I, I took the short route so i had only gone through um i had only gone overnight to aguascalientes and then i woke up early in the morning to go and do this hike uh and i took the shuttle up from aguascalientes up to machu picchu and the first one i could you know because they say that the shuttles start like around 6 a.m or, or right around sunrise but people are lining up already by 4 a.m um it's insane it's like the worst disney line you've ever seen on steroids oh, to get man. that shuttle bus <laughs> <laughs> but um, thankfully they have like shuttle buses that are just ready to go once they do start running. Um, so one after the other, they'll start filling up the buses and it moves pretty quickly at that point. Um, so I was able to get in before, you know, right before the sunrise shot, like, around that time. And I, it was so foggy that I remember thinking like, I've come all this way. I expect to kind of walk through the gates and be confronted with this majestic, like, you know, <laughs> shot of the sunrise over Machu Picchu. And I was like, all I see is fog. <laughs> like something, <laughs> Something's gone horribly wrong. Well, like, welcome like, to Machu Picchu, right? <laughs> yes. And so um, I was a little disappointed. And then I went, that's when I decided to just go straight into the hike instead of like kind of waiting for this magical experience. Um, and then I got confronted with having to sign my name in the book and potentially, you know, risking my life. And that's when it hit me. <laughs> like this may be more serious than I anticipated um I had just gone in regular you know like hiking shoes like workout shoes like sneakers not even like my hiking boots that now I have proper hiking boots after having done some of these you know harder trails um but I just I it, I think what it is it's the elevation um and so it's not even so much that it's a strenuous trail because I mean it is and and you have kind of you know at some point you're climbing completely um you know like if you were climbing a ladder of stairs so to speak um but for the most part it's a pretty it's just a steady incline up and so it hurts a lot with your like thighs and um you're already kind of short for air and gasping for air and i mean i was so desperate on that hike that i was trying anything to like just feel like i wasn't out of breath so there were people that had like you know the, the coca leaves yeah and, and so i'm in my mind I, I reasoned it like there's people that dip tobacco and they like put it on their they like chew it and put it underneath their lip to hope that it reaches their bloodstream quicker right so i'm <laughs> i'm gonna do this with the coca leaves <laughs> just pray to god <laughs> this like helps so i have these like chewed up coca leaves now underneath my lip like if i would be like if i know anything about this at all but i'm just so desperate you know to get like any kind of oxygen because i was so out of breath and as i'm sitting there with like leaves coming out from my bottom lip um this, this like little this like little kid who's like a tourist coming from somewhere in asia just comes and he skips on by with like one mickey mouse hand looking like a little tiny michael jackson <laughs> oh my gosh Breezes right past me, you know, without any issues whatsoever. Ease. And I'm sitting here, like, <laughs> looking rough for, you know, the wear. 
Um, and then that little kid actually really did motivate me and keep me going a lot of times because every time I feel like every time I would kind of collapse and just be like, <gasps> he, he would just, you know, skip on by like, oh, is this hard for you? Oh, that's so unfortunate. <laughs> um, so he actually was a good motivator. I think maybe I needed that to help push me up the mountain. And then when I did get up there, I had this wonderful moment where finally like, the fog cleared. And I finally saw the ruins and I saw them from above, which was just amazing yeah. and way better than anything I could have imagined. Um, so that was a, a great experience. Yeah, that's super cool. Now I'm curious. You, you said that it was uh, pretty steep. Was there any point where you were like kind of going on all fours or anything like that? Yeah, towards the end. Okay. And what was towards it like going end. down then? Um, if you go, so you don't go down the same path. So there's kind of, you just kind of like continue walking down the path that you walked up on and it takes you kind of around and down the other side of the mountain. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So, I mean, at some point, some of the paths overlap, but for the most part, you get to be, you have a little bit of an area where you kind of clear away. And then yes, once they kind of converge again, you might see it. Cause I was in the first group. So there were points where I did have people that were crossing back that were coming in the second group. And as mm -hmm. I was going down, we were on the same trail. So thankfully it's not really a narrow trail. Um, most of the parts you have some pretty good walking space where you can fit two or more people easily with ample room and shoulder on the sides. Sure. Um, but yeah, towards the very end on your way up, it gets to be, you know, pretty much vertical. The stairs are very interesting. I just didn't see those stairs of death. Thankfully, I think they're just around like maybe another side. <laughs> and I was so busy, you know, the fog, I think did a really good job of clearing up you know, how high I actually was. Yeah. Um, how wrecked were you so, after? Like how awful did it hurt the next day? Like we, were you pretty wrecked? Pretty bad. And so I had gotten there around <laughs> like around, around 6 a.m. I got in there. So by 1 p.m. I wanted to stay longer. I really did. And I was just like, nope, can't do it. Like yeah. I need food and a bed like right now. Wow. Wow. Um, do you think, what, what did you do when you were up there exactly? Um, I hung out. So when I got up there, there were a lot of like rocks jutting up and, and out. And so people kind of took their perch on a rock and tried to claim that rock, you know? Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and so I this got to my rock. kind of like, yeah, like you have to first, you got to find a good rock. Um, <laughs> that rock That's a right nice there. boulder. <laughs> it's like some donkey stuff from Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Um, and then, you know, maybe if you have your eye on another rock, you want like, oh to go to that person and then like ask that person to maybe let you take a picture there. So I spent some time like working my way over across some of the rocks to like this one prime rock and then like kind of waiting it out and then asking to take a picture there, which is which is really great as well. Um, but you got to like get your camera to somebody who's on another rock and then. Oh, my Lord. You, so. <laughs> a lot of rocks. It's kind of like yeah, Charlie, yeah. that rock yeah. right there. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> And you don't want to drop things around there either because you're pretty high up. So, you know, you just don't want to have to go searching for anything there. Um, so once you get up to the top, people are really taking their time. Nobody's trying to rush you on your way out. There's a uh, there was a guide or some some kind of official person in some capacity when I got up there that was kind of just overseeing the whole experience. Um and he had been walking up there when I was walking up there too. And he, they will keep telling you like, you're so close. You're not close. I hate when people do that yeah. because it's so deceptive. And you're like, I've been walking for like an hour. Like how close is close. Um, so it's really, there, there's somebody up there, I think just to monitor the situation and you can take your time and, and make your way back down carefully. Just being aware that if you go in the first group, you will have to probably cross paths with the second group that's coming up. Gotcha. Sure. So when but you, I, when you, uh, when you came back down, did you get down to see the temple of the moon? Uh, 
So I went down and I got kind of a ruins tour of the ruins that were right there immediately around the area. So this was back when you could still walk in and around the site. Um, so somebody just came and they did like kind of a quick hour and a half tour of like, this is this particular building. We used it for this, you know, particular purpose, but I didn't go to the sun gate. That was a little, that was too far of a hike. Yeah, sure. um, that's like another two hours. Um, and so I don't remember if I saw the moon temple specifically, but I did get to see some I, ruins. I, honestly at that point. Yeah. I saw some ruins. You were, um, you're probably <laughs> drained so much. You're like, I don't even care. I just want to go home. Give me margarita. I, like, <laughs> I really, yeah. A Pisco sour in that yeah, case. Pisco sour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, would you, so, all right. And I got two more on this. So was it worth it? Yeah, I would do that hike again. That was a beautiful hike. And when the fog cleared, there that's to date one of my favorite views. I don't think really? you, know, you get a view like that very often. Yeah. Okay. It's just magical. And it's still, and I've taken a lot of pictures now. And, and it's one of the pictures I still love. And it's it, it's me with my hair all frizzy, you know, <laughs> hot, you know, hot mess. And it's still a picture that I'm so proud of. And I really you earned enjoy it. showing to people. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. that picture. That, that part right mm-hmm. there, that statement is like, that I mean, I just got a little bit of goosebumps, but yeah, I mean, I think when people like take a lot of photos, you know, it's easy to take a photo in front of the Eiffel Tower. You take a little bus, take a taxi, whatever, you can step in front of it. But when you get to do something like that, where you get to, you have to kind of like put some sweat into it, put some muscle work into it, and you get to take that photo, it just means so much more because there's a story behind it. You know what I mean? Like everyone's seen these like simple photos that of the of the cool beach that you're on, but those ones that that take work and they have this like big journey behind it of like, yeah, I had to hike, you know, up this mountain to get here. And then I found this rock and that was a nice rock. And I sat there and then had to find another guy, another rock. I mean, this is the story in itself. Clearly that photo has a lot of memories attached to it. I think that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Would you recommend? So one thing that we always recommend is, is, and, and it's obviously different from everybody. We recommend that you do two days at Machu Picchu if you're going to do a Hawaii Picchu. And the reason is just kind of just be there, be able to relax the day you get in, uh, go see Machu Picchu. But then the second day do Hawaii Picchu if you wanted to, what, what do you think? Do you think, uh, that's recommended on your end or would you do it? If you did it again, would you do two different days or would you just do it all the same day and just kind of tough it out? No, I agree with you completely. I had to do it kind of all the same day and tough it out because of at the time I had my limited work schedule and I was trying to be back, you know, within a certain point. Yep. But if I if I could do it again, I would definitely spend one day just exploring, maybe even hiking to the Sun Gate, you know, really yeah. getting to see the ruins for what they are. Mm-hmm. And then the other day to do Wanapichu because it does. I think Wanapichu just drains you. And after you're like, well, I've already like seen Machu Picchu like from the best angle. And I yeah. think it's good, you know, so, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. I gotta ask because I'm hearing the way you say these words. Do you speak Spanish? I do. I I knew it, man. There you go. I was like, man, she's saying these way better than I could ever think to say them. <laughs> yeah, brush up on some Spanish. Uh, that's awesome. That's super cool. I mean, do you think? Uh, are you in the running to go back to Peru sometime soon? I would love to. I had a great time in Peru. Um, to date, the alpaca socks that I bought there are still my favorite souvenirs of all time. <laughs> Uh, they actually served me really well in Iceland of all places. You know, oh, everybody wow. else is like, my toes are frozen. And I was like, I have these bomb alpaca socks from Peru. <laughs> and actually my feet are like sweating. Like they're amazing socks. Um, and they're like $9 there versus, you know, the $60 you'll pay for them in the U S. Um, so they're wonderful. So great, really amazing souvenirs and kind of like a local culture there that you can support. Uh, I loved when I was in Cusco, I went to the planetarium there that I thought was phenomenal. And we got 
got to see planets and, you know, just really learn a lot about the stars on the southern hemisphere. So I learned that there's all kinds of different constellations that I never knew of before, you know, just with my own little constellations on this part of the world in, in North America. So it was good to see that contrast. And there's just so many natural wonders in Peru that I think are really oh, underestimated. Yeah, so yeah, there's so many. We It's it's completely even untapped in terms of like what we even offer right. compared to what Peru has. Um, so basically to recap everything, you recommend it. It's worth it. Do it in two days. Uh, it's very difficult, very strenuous. You're going to want to probably do it on the second day and then just relax afterwards. What else are you think? Uh, I just kind of want to touch on something that you had mentioned, uh, you know, that was kind of like Disneyland and you kind of showed up. Did you, you know, with the regulations of how many tickets they allow and how popular it is, did you, were you able to get tickets when you were there? Or did you get them ahead of time? So I didn't sign up far enough ahead of time to get them through the regular booking site just as a regular person. Uh, so I had to go with an actual tour provider that sold me kind of like a do-it-yourself option. So they gave me all the tickets, set up the trains for me, and I just went and did it myself. Okay. So I landed in Cusco, and then somebody met me up there, gave me everything I needed to get on the train from Cusco to Aguascalientes. And then from there, they had already arranged the shuttle in advance for me. So I had my shuttle ticket. I just had to get in line. Got it. And that was pretty convenient. And I think a, a good middle price point for, I mean, obviously I, I'm always a big fan of budget travel. So if I can book something direct, I will book it directly through the ticket booking website, but it just wasn't a possibility for me at that time. For sure. Um, so that's why I had gone with that other option and I had chosen to do Juana Pichu as an add on with them. Okay. But you can do it yourself and make the reservations yourself. And obviously it's the yeah. preferred way to go to save the most money. Yeah, yeah definitely. right. Right. All right. So sounds like that's a good, a good cap on, uh, Wani Pichu and, uh, definitely recommend it, which is good. We're going to have to add it to the list next time we go. Um, let's talk about what you got going on outside of, of the Peru scope now. So your book's out, what else you got going on? So I'm actually working. I that was my first book that did really well. Um, my second book did well as well. It actually cracked the one top 150 on Amazon's free list when I did the free promotion. Nice. Um, so I was very excited about that. It's called You Need a Vacation: How to Travel with a Full Time Job. Um, and now I'm working on my third book in this kind of nonfiction how to series how to series to help people get over the common excuses that they use not to travel. And the last one's on solo female travel specifically. It's going to be called the Solo Female Travel Guide, and it'll be out in March. That's awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. That's super cool. Well, thank you. thank you. I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of great stuff going on. We can't wait to see in here kind of as you keep exploring and kind of keep up with you. Obviously, we're following the Instagram, Jen on a Jet Plane. Make sure you guys check it out. She's also got a great blog, Jen on a Jet Plane.com. Believe it or not, it's the same exact title, if you will, of the Instagram. And sounds like there's a lot of good books coming out too. It's super exciting to see what you're doing and the fact that you were one of the many that, or excuse me, few rather, who's been able to just kind of like be like, you know, what? I'm making it happen. I'm making it work. I'm quitting the job. I'm going to go travel the world and see a lot of really cool sites and make great memories and have experiences. So kudos to you. Thank you. It's been a big life change, but it's been completely worth it. And I encourage people to just try to travel, even if they can't make, you know, that giant leap to even try to fit in travel a little bit in their own lives, even if of they course. have to do Juana Pichu and, and Machu Picchu all in one day. Like I did that when I was working full time and it's always worth it. It's always worth it. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thanks so much, Jen. We really appreciate you again. This is David Kozlowski, my man, Kevin Grow, Jen on a jet plane. Check her out. This is the Peru Travel Podcast. Happy travels, guys. 